views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Pat. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And as I said before, if you want to find out more about us, go to the Dr. Pat Show or Transformation Talk Radio. If you want to find out what happens after you read Bruce Lipton's book, Dr. Bruce Lipton's book, and I'm just going to name a couple of them. But but if you want to know what happens after you pick up the book uh, called The Biology of Belief, Unleashing the Power of Consciousness, Matter, and miracles. If you want to know what happens after you read this, this book by Dr. Bruce Lipton, all you need to go is go to this website, transformationradio.fm, transformationradio.fm. And when you get there, you're going to see the makings of a project that has been two years in the making, actually longer than that. And today, I'm thrilled to have one of the folks that somehow stumbled into my life a number of years ago, he doesn't even know this, and said a few things, got this book popped up on my desk, I started to read it, and then the next thing I know is I discovered I don't have to be my parents, I don't have to be my biology, I don't have to be the limitations of my life, and even somebody like me, a girl from the Bronx, homeless at 17, mother committed suicide, can have a dream to launch an all-positive network with 10 channels and technology that nobody on the planet has. And who has built this? Not me. It's the team. But what is it about Dr. Bruce Lipton that he has done to share a message across the globe, this internationally recognized authority on what science and spirit doesn't talk about, the bridge the gap that no longer exists in consciousness when you talk to Bruce. But how about this amazing individual? If you look at the schools he studied at, if you looked at the speaking that he's done, the webinars, the radio shows, what is it that happens when you pick up either this book or Spontaneous Evolution and you start to think about a positive future? What happens? That's what today's show is about. Bruce, thank you for joining us. May I call you Dr. Bruce today? Well, uh, Bruce is nice, but the one that makes you feel good, that's the one that works for me. I like and, Bruce. Uh, Just call me Pat. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know who you were talking about because this is Bruce here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and, me. And, I'm, I'm Pat here, but the listeners named the show Dr. Pat. I didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't awake enough to figure that out. Thank you for joining me here today. 
Um, well, I, I appreciate that opportunity, but uh, you know what also I just want to appreciate, even before sure. we start, is, okay. is, is the audience. I appreciate the audience because uh, the people that are tuned in, by definition, really represent cultural creatives, people looking for answers outside the conventional box and looking for another way of life. And it's really important to recognize that the answers are not inside the box. That's why the box is having so much problem now. Uh, and the answers are out here. So uh, I very much appreciate uh, the audience, because they're, they're thinking differently, and to, that's the way of evolution. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned them, because our listeners are the best on the planet, Bruce. I've been saying it for years. This is our, this is our 14th year doing this. Um, and, you know, I say doing this because, you know what, I didn't have a business plan around this. I, I, I went to school for psychology. So the fact that I'm sitting here and doing what I'm doing is a miracle. But when I think about what you've done and, and how one might explain the present moment we're in and how we can create a positive future, there are some dots that you have connected along the way. I want to fast forward to where we are today, Bruce, and I'd love for you to take a look back. And, you know, this journey that you've been on, if there was a metaphor to describe it, what might that metaphor be? <laughs> Onward, ever upward. <laughs> oh, it's 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 just a it's very hard to explain because um, I came I came into my career uh, very much uh, a scientific uh, mechanist, meaning that you understand life by by looking at the the pieces that make up life, the cells, the proteins, the molecules, and you understand all this physical machinery. And then with that knowledge, you should be able to understand life. And of course, it doesn't work out very well because a lot of things are missing in the conventional story of medicine, which looks at the body as just a, a physical machine. Uh, what I started to learn was when uh, bringing physics into it, and you say, well, physics into biology? And it's like this. Physics is the foundational science of how the universe works. It's the mechanisms. That's why they say, they call it like Newtonian physics or Newtonian mechanics, quantum physics or quantum mechanics. Physics means mechanisms, mechanisms how the universe works. And what's really profoundly different is that the physics, the Newtonian type physics, which recognizes the mechanical physical world is separate from the energy world and that they don't communicate. Uh, that's what we're operating from. So when you look at a human body from that perspective, it's a physical machine. It's run by, in our perspective, genes, and uh, and that's a vehicle, more or less, and, and you just happen to be inhabiting this vehicle. Th that's the old story. The new story, when quantum physics came in, really revealed that everything you look at that looks like matter is actually not matter at all. It's because when you take the atom apart, and you say, yeah, oh, yeah, it's made out of electrons, protons, and neutrons. I say, no, no, take a look. What are those things made out of? And when they started to look inside, that's when quantum physics arose, because they found that inside the atom, there's nothing physical at all. It's, it's like vortices of energy, like nano-tornadoes with force fields, and, and it's energy. And so that changes the world, because before, there was matter and there was energy. And quantum physics said, no. Everything is energy, and, and and there's a very important part because uh, part of the energy is what we see as the physical stuff. That's a form of energy, but the invisible energy is out there. We're swimming in it. So I say, well, right now, wherever you are, there's cell phones and radio broadcasts and television broadcasts and all kinds of energy moving in and out through where you are right now. You're in an aquarium of energy, 
relevance in physics, uh, quantum physics, they refer to this energy, the invisible stuff around us, like in the air kind of energy. Um, they, they refer to that as the field. The oh, field yeah. is the name representing the energy. And in quantum physics, they talk about the field and its influence on the physical form of, of energy, matter. And, and this quote becomes so vitally important, and it goes, uh, and this is from Albert Einstein, the quote is, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, the field is the invisible energy, is the sole governing agency of matter. In other words, the invisible stuff that you can't see is actually giving shape to the physical things that you do see. And, and this becomes important because uh, I say, well, what's the definition of the field in physics? I go, well, it's invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. I go, wow, what a coincidence. The field definition for science is the same definition for spirit, invisible moving forces that influence the physical world. And it's interesting because as science will talk about the field, uh, and, and and then they look at spiritual people being weird because they're talking about spirit. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> they both are the same definition. It's just a spirit was a word before there was a scientific awareness of it, of, of the mechanisms of it. Now we have a science. So people who feel like they're in the scientific world will say field. And I go, yeah, but it's no different than the definition of spirit. So you can say either one. What's the point about it? It says there's an invisible energy that gives shape to matter, and there's an invisible energy that's connected to each human that is different from every other human. In other words, there are no two people who are identical, and I say that because you can't take cells or organs out of your body and put it into somebody else's body because as soon as you do, the immune system will reject it and say, not self. So there's an obvious point here. There must be some self that's being read, and there are other body parts when they come in are not self. So there's a self that is read by the cells. And when I started to get into the understanding of how the cells were controlled, I recognized, oh my God, each human has a, a set of special receptors, which are like antennas in the old day when you know television antennas were on the roof. And, and you can imagine an apartment building with hundreds and hundreds of antennas on it. That's like a cell with antennas on it. And the antennas, they're a group of them, which science studies a small portion of that group, and they call them self-receptors. Uh, and it's basically, what, what does it mean? It's, these are antennas. Uh, and they and they, they represent like a, a, a combination lock. They're different antennas, and when you put them in different combinations, they record like different. They're receiving different frequencies, different vibrations. Point. No two people share the same set of these antennas, mm. and that if you take the antenna, these antennas off the surface of a cell. The cell is then generic, meaning it's a human cell, but it doesn't belong to anybody. It's generic. When you put the receptors back on, now it's somebody's human cell. And if I take my receptors off of my cell and, and I put yours on, then guess what? It's no longer my cell because once your receptor's on, it's responding to your vibration, not to mine, because their antennas receiving a broadcast and they're coming from the field. And it's like, the moment I saw the mechanism of how this works, it's like, oh, my God, I'm not a spiritual person like for 40 years. And then I look at this mechanism and go, 
Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what? It's the invisible signal being picked up from the field uh, that quantum physics talked about that motivate each one of us uh, by connecting to all of ourselves. So our cells uh, are, are, are all connected to the same broadcast, you. So your identity is something coming from the field and coming and, and then motivating the body. And now what we know about is that environmental information is what controls our genetics and our behavior. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, that's a new science because the old science was genes turn on and turn off and control things. And I go, okay, time for a moment of stop. The concept that a gene turns on and off is completely false. <laughs> genes, genes control nothing. They do not control themselves. They control nothing. Genes are blueprints. And what I mean by that is just as you go into an architect's office and let's say she's working on a blueprint, you ask, is your blueprint on or off? And, and I presume she would look at you in a funny look. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a blueprint. There's no on and off. And I go, precisely. A gene is a blueprint. It's no on and off. There's a new science. The old science, the one I was teaching in medical school, which most people believe in at this moment, which is totally false, is a belief called genetic determinism, the belief that genes will control your characteristics. The new science, uh, the old science is called genetic control, controlled by genes. So your life wasn't under your control. It was controlled by these things called genes. And uh, your, your life, you were more or less a victim of your heredity if there were genes of negative things in your family, cancer and things like that. Uh, uh, then you say, oh my God, I'm going to get these diseases. New science is called epigenetic control, and epi means above. So when I say genetic control, it means control by genes, old belief. The new science is epigenetic control, and that literally reads as control above the genes. And now we know that our biology is controlled by the environment, and more importantly, our consciousness, which interprets the environment and that whatever we perceive in the environment is changed into chemistry by our nervous system, and that chemistry controls our behavior and our genetics. So when we change how we see the world, we change our biology. And, and so the old biology, you're a victim of your genes. Now epigenetics is the science that you are the master. You're the ones that can change your environment, and you're the ones that can change your perceptions of the environment. And all of a sudden, we are no longer victims of genes. We are the masters of our genes. You know, I wanted to talk with you, and I, I just wanted to say this before uh, I, I forget. Uh, you know, you are connecting with Nikki Scully here uh, in July. Uh, and, you know, I was looking at this, and I love this topic and this title for what you both are doing together. You know, the grand yes. convergence, science meets shamanism. Exactly. I wanted to call it shamanism meets science. Well, I don't know it, if it's actually, <laughs> uh, Shamanism has been here all the time. It just <laughs> took science a while to figure out what they were talking about. <laughs> and, and it's really interesting uh, because 
as we mentioned, now that quantum physics is understood to be the basic mechanisms of the universe, which is energy controlling everything, invisible forces controlling everything, uh, then we start to recognize that these invisible forces have qualities and characters to them. Now, in the range of uh, the energy spectrum called light, we, we, the vibrations we can interpret as colors, so we give them the name. Red, blue, green, yellow, these are vibrations, and we perceive them as colors, we give them a name. I say, yeah, but there's a spectrum of energy that you can't see with your eyes, <laughs> and <laughs> it's still out there, and it has characteristics to it. And if you want to be in physics, you can say, okay, this is the frequency of X through Z or whatever complex frequency, fine. But you can also just like, hey, I could give you the frequency of red in, in, in so many uh, cycles per second and all that, give you a factual name. Or I could say red. It's easier to understand red. I could give you a factual name of an energy that can influence you in all the vibrational frequencies. Or I could say uh, this represents some god. A god of this, a god of that, a god of that. And I said, what does it mean? Well, it's influencing the energy is shaping your biology. And and you could just, I could give it to you in just physical terms of how much energy vibrations per second, et cetera. Or it can give it a name. As long as, you know, we're, we're talking about the same thing, the yeah. name. So when shamanism comes in and you start talking about spirits and gods and things like that, what you're really doing is giving a name or giving a, a human-like character to a vibrational field. And so, again, it's sort of like, you want to call it field? Fine. You want to call it spirit? That's equally fine. So shamanism, in our current understanding of science, is a classification of the fields and giving them names, sort of like the constellation of stars. There are stars out there. You can see them scientifically, but you can give them a name, Orion, a Big Dipper. And the idea is, Shamanism is a form of understanding the influence and power of that invisible field, which, as I said, Einstein said, it's the sole governing agency of matter. That's how profound it is. So if you understand these frequencies and these vibrations, you, you can be scientific. And, I don't want to be, you know, new agey. I'll just give you these vibrational, you know, and, and frequencies and read out. Or I say, oh, it's simpler. Uh, that's Horus. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> And basically, what people understand that, then, you know, there's this difference of, you know, hey, looking for this physical image in there, or just saying, no, feeling the energy of this image is what it's all about, and translating it as energy. You know, it's really interesting, uh, and I want to make sure that I mention this here before too much time goes on. Uh, if you want to find out more, of course, about uh, Bruce and Nikki and what they're going to be doing, certainly you can go to eastwestbookshop.com, eastwestbookshop.com, July 15th. Uh, it's going to be at an off-site uh, location, the Center for Spiritual Living in Sandpoint Way, from what I understand, Bruce, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then if you you can go there and you can find out more. Um, I don't know if people can go to your website, but definitely if you go ahead and take a look at eastwestbookshop.com, you can buy your tickets from there and uh, go ahead and give them a call. 1-800-587-6002. And again, you're going to have to look at your calendar and look at July 15th there and take a look at the event. Um it's very, very, it, it's exciting. I remember one time, Bruce, I want you to say this. I, I got to go to school down in California 
and I, I never thought in a million years I would. And I got to study with uh, a couple of people that were really iconic for me in my management career. One was Peter Drucker, but the other one was this gentleman, uh, Mihaly, Mahali, who and and uh, and and he is a gentleman who started to do this research on flow theory, flow. And I remember being like in his seminar, webinar, one of the things he was doing, and he created the concept of flow. And I said, you know, I said, I don't really understand why you call it flow. I said, you could have called it anything. And I said, doesn't the word flow limit what you're trying to say? All of a sudden, I thought my my uh, advisor was going to grab me by my ear like I was a 10-year-old, right? <laughs> and you, you know like they do in school when you say something you're not supposed to? And they grab you Go by the, the ear. Yeah, the corner of the ear. And they're like, they take you out of the class. But I thought it was a realistic question for me because what he was talking about was almost indescribable. And I think that's the sense that we that I that I think we have today when we talk about these things that I believe, Bruce, if you go back in ancient times and we start to read some of the stories, right? About yeah. how fish all of a sudden materialized, how people got healed, that we almost think that that is so outside of the realm. And so when we think about our day-to-day -day life, and this is what I want to ask you about, when we think about our day-to-day -day life and we're talking with people that are not well physically or people that have lost everything in the past 10 years, we, we don't know necessarily how to say, wait a minute, we can have another state of consciousness around this. And I wanted to ask you, in all the traveling you've done, all the lectures you've done, all the books you've written, whether it's the biology of belief, whether it's the documentaries you've been in, how have you been able to help people understand their unlimited potential? Well, knowledge is power. That's basically, everyone's aware of that. Love that. I want to say it in a different way, the same exact thing, because it's more pertinent to hear it in the opposite way, and that is a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. We have been systematically deprived of knowledge that small groups have maintained for thousands of years, in fact. Uh, and by taking away this knowledge of who we are, uh, we have disempowered ourselves. And what's interesting is because we look in the world and we say, look at all these very powerful people. And look at me. I'm, I'm not a powerful person. And, I go, and then you say, well, how, how did they get all that power? And the joke, the cosmic joke of all, they don't have any more power than you. All they did was take away your power. And so we have been disempowered uh, as a mass group. And, and, and the movie The Matrix, people have seen the movie The Matrix. It's yeah. like, well, they said science fiction. I go, no, it's not science fiction. It's a documentary. <laughs> we have all been programmed. The only way you could be a, a conscious person on this planet is first, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to go through programming. Then you acquire consciousness. So underneath all of our consciousness, there are basic programs of life. And this programming didn't come from us. It was downloaded by observing other people, your parents, your siblings, your community. And so the fundamental behavioral programs that you acquire 
do not come through your consciousness, are not filtered by your consciousness. They're just raw data downloaded by observing those around you. And then you say, well, then what does that mean? I go, well, then the basic programs of behavior and how to run your life and how to respond to life and all these other aspects of dealing with life, uh, they're behaviors that you've got downloaded into you from other people, so simple quality or characteristic is this. When you're playing your programs, quote-unquote programs, from your subconscious mind, uh, most of those programs have never been filtered by you, and they don't even belong to you. So that the, the, you know, the character of those programs, the character of your life from those programs, uh, is destructive for most people, and that's why we have so much illness on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we blame it on the biology. It's like, no, the, it's all from the programming, and, and we have been programmed to be disempowered, and this has been perpetuated for a long, long time. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. The nature of the programming has been told to people for 400 years by <laughs> the Jesuits. The Jesuits have a saying, Give me a child until it's seven, and I will show you the man. And it says, well, that sounds interesting. I go, no, it's a little more than that. They're saying, if you give me a child for the first seven years, which turns out to be the exact timing of when programming does occur, it says, if you give me a child for the first seven years and I get to program it, I will show you the man, meaning I will show you the, the outcome will be what I program. And I go, wow pretty interesting because if you look at the outcome of people in their lives and recognize all the places they didn't want to be and all the hardships and all the ill health and all that kind of stuff and recognize that almost all of that expression of not getting, you know, fulfilling your life Uh, 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 are, are not the result of your desire and your intention and that the universe is pushing against you. No. The reason why we don't obtain our goals, and this is the fact that people need to know, is that we only use the conscious creative mind. That's the one that's connected to our spirituality, the one that makes you unique, that self-receptor mind, that one that receives your broadcast, the conscious mind. When you put your hands on the wheel, you are driving the vehicle to your wishes and desires. And I go, well, then how come I have so much trouble manifesting wishes and desires? And I go... Well, there's another side of the story <laughs> left out, and that is when you are thinking, it's sort of like you can drive the car, the vehicle, the body, like imagine a steering wheel in the body, and there's a guy in the conscious mind, that's you, driving the vehicle where you want to go. But if you start thinking, by that definition, that means you're not paying attention to, the, to where you're going because thinking is inside. When you seek a thought, you go inside your head. <laughs> well, the point is, if you're driving the vehicle and you start thinking, uh, then by definition, the conscious mind is no longer driving the vehicle because it's inside. <laughs> so the default turns out to be when that happens, the subconscious programs kick in. And so now the scientific fact is like hit you on the head with a hammer is science has recognized that we do so much thinking that we are only at the wheel driving our vehicles to our wishes and desires about 5% of the day. That 95% of the day we're in thought, which means 95% of the day we're running by the program. And I go, yeah, but the programs may be self-destruction. I said, yeah, but there's a problem. Subconscious program. Subconscious is 
definition, below consciousness. So the point is you're thinking a thought, you're playing a program, but the program is not in your consciousness. It's just an automatic push the button and play the program. And those programs that we got in the first seven years, the vast majority of them are disempowering, self-sabotaging, limiting beliefs about ourselves. And oh. why is that relevant? Well, it says 95% of the day, you are playing these programs that you got from other people, and most of them take away your power. And I say, and guess what? You're the only one that doesn't see the program. And, and I give the story in the lecture, so most people laugh, so I think it's a universal kind of understanding. I say, <laughs> look, yeah, I'm sure during your development, growth, a period of friendship, you had a friend you were very close to, you knew your friend's behavior very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent, and you can't wait. You go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. Because Bill goes totally ballistic. How how can you compare me to my dad? Oh and boy! Most people laugh. I'm getting a hot flash when I'm thinking about that. I'm getting a <laughs> okay, hot now, flash. Here, and I hear here comes the beautiful part, and it is everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. How? A simple explanation. He got the program. He downloaded. He observed his dad. That's how he got the behavior. When he's playing it, why is he playing it? Because the conscious mind's busy thinking. So when he's playing his dad, he's the one that doesn't see it. Everybody else does. And this is why is it important. Because we are all Bill, and that's the first thing they recognize right now. I don't care. Uh, you are all Bill because all of us have been programmed. And that 95% of our life is running from that program, invisible to you, and if it conflicts with your life, then here's where the stresses come from. Your conscious mind says, I want to go to that place. And the subconscious mind, unconscious you, is driving you to the other place. The, the subconscious mind is autopilot. When you're, when you're busy back in your head thinking, the subconscious is running the show. Sometimes you actually see it as you come out of thinking. You know, oh, my God, I just... I was just like my mom. Oh, my God, I, was just, I just was like my dad. And you see it. It's almost like in chagrin. It's like, ooh. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> oh, that'd be, ooh. And the fact is, rarely, but we do see it occasionally. But almost all the time, it's not there. And then I say, final conclusion, relevance of what all this is about is you wake up in the morning with great wishes and desires of what you want to experience on this planet. You go out during the day. You come home all beaten up at night. And it's like, geez, you know, the universe is against me because I went out to go toward my destination and all kinds of things got in the way. And, and then it turns out, it's like, oh, my God, if you understand what happened is you went out with your conscious mind in lead. And then the rest of the trip was controlled by the subconscious <laughs> mind, which wasn't taking you to anywhere you wanted to go. And it can take you to death. It could cause cancer. That's cancer is not is ninety percent of cancer is not based on heredity. It's based on your life experiences in this environment. I want to ask you a question, Bruce, about this because yeah. I'm really struck by two things you've said. Uh, actually, I, I, I'm really struck by the two hundred things you said. But here's what I want to say. I'm listening to you, and my mind is I'm taking a trip back in time. And, you know, we have Facebook and social media and all those things now, right? Um, yes. And so somehow a classmate of mine found me. 
not that you can't find me. My gosh. I mean, right. You, you know, I mean, you're not going to find me under Dr. Pat, but you, if you go to my name, Pat Basile, you're going to find me. So somehow they were looking for a, some kind of anniversary. We're coming on up on school. So I get this, I get this instant message, you know, the private messages you get in the, in the Facebook thing. Yes. Here's what they, they are you Patricia Basile from PS 14 and junior high school 101. And I, I, and I'm thinking, okay, like, who is this? And so all of a sudden I, of course I replied back and I said, yeah, I believe I am. Are you Patricia Basile that used to stutter and had to hire my mother as a tutor for all your classes? And now I'm thinking, oh no, my, and I said, yep, that's me. That was me. And so here's the next message. Are you that same person that talks on radio 10 hours a week and I just heard your show? And I said, yes. So what do you think the response back was? Here's what I get back. Who taught you how to speak without stuttering? And I answered her back. Bruce, you're going to love this. Amy Sarrow. Now, who is Amy Sarrow? And I'd love for you to talk about this. I am that kid. I am I am that kid. Went to PS 14, junior high school 101. Yes, I did stutter. Uh, nope, I did not get good grades. I'm not going to attest to that. I'm not going to make stuff up on air. Amy Sarrow was a teacher I had when I began high school in Plainfield, New Jersey. And she pulled me aside one day, Bruce, and she sat me down. And she spent an hour telling me how much she believed in me, that she saw something in me. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the details of how that changed my life. But clearly, something shifted. And it was instantaneous. And I would love for you to talk to that. Because if Amy Sarrow was able to help me step out of a serious limitation of what I saw from my life, then, in fact, can't we all be the Amy Sarrows of our own life? Absolutely, and thank you for that, because it's, again, a source of I control my life. But I have been, as I said, the bigger problem is during our developmental period in the first seven years, the majority, the vast majority of the programs that we acquired were programs of who do you think you are, and you're not that good at this, and you can't do that. Uh, and those are kinds of things that we acquired and those are the things that became the programs that invisibly run uh, 95% of the day. So your mind says, oh, I can, I'm going out to do this. And your subconscious says, you, you're not good enough to do that. Who's going to win? The subconscious. The reason? It's a million times more powerful, and it's operating 95% of the day. So your outcome is already predetermined based on these programs that we get. We now know in the medical field that the issues like cardiovascular disease, uh, diabetes, cancer, these issues were actually seeded uh, in the perinatal and, and mm -hmm. uh, prenatal life period and infant stages. Whatever those programs were set back then, they manifest their full expression as we become adults. And so it turns out cancer wasn't just something you just got last week. <laughs> cancer was something you were programmed already into experiencing, and it would be, you know, in your childhood, you got some kind of program that was antagonistic to the harmony of the community of cells that make up your body. The cells are 
in your body, you're made out of 50 trillion cells. There's a community of cells, and cells are, are very intelligent in, individuals, beings, uh, and they live in a community. And, and the nervous system is like a government, and, the, and it's telling the cells uh, what's going on in their world and how they should get ready and prepare for things and doing all this stuff like that. And it's also uh, recognized that, like any, any state or nation, uh, if, if the if the government sucks, the the, the individuals in the community uh, are really ripe for for uh, sickness and disease and and falling apart. And I go whether it's a community of people in a nation or a community of cells in your body, uh, it's still how the community is exposed to the world. So if your brain is the interface between the world and you don't create harmony in your life. The disharmony that you're experiencing is translated into chemistry, which goes into your body and controls your genetics and your behavior. And all of a sudden, the illnesses that show up, uh, we, we always had a tendency, oh, there's a weakness in the system, our genes or, or whatever it is is causing this. And it goes, no, it's being caused by your consciousness. Uh, and I said, how powerful is that consciousness? Well, hey, you've seen people walk across hot coals. Uh, and they don't get burned, except if you read last week, I think, uh, Anthony Robbins, a whole lot of people got burned in, in the process, meaning, yeah, the coals are hot, they'll burn you, but what about the ones that walked across in between those that got burned and didn't get burned? And the answer is a different consciousness. Uh, and the idea that you can protect yourself from the fire of those coals through consciousness is just an example of how you can protect yourself from anything. The concept of, oh, you're going to get a flu. Well, that's a belief system. Right? <laughs> that's what you believe. You can have that. But how many people, including myself, say, I'm not getting a flu. I don't have time for that. And, and then you don't get the flu. But if you think, oh, my goodness, I'm nervous about the flu and I'm so stressed and tired. It's like, okay, now you got flu. It's coming. And, and we have to recognize that we have been programmed to believe that the, the our lives are, are are just by chance and 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 who knows you know it's all fate or something like that and that it, it happens to us and there you go i'm sorry that happened to you you lost your job you lost your relationship and all that kind of stuff like that and it goes like wait a minute these are creations but the creations come from us if you have no idea the creations come from us then whatever happened in your life was a total accident but when you understand that the creations start coming from you, and this is quantum physics, that our consciousness is shaping the world, that's quantum physics, then there's a the point to say, well, that's really nice information. I go, no, it's nice information, but if you don't use it, it's useless information. I remember when I first started to talk about the, the new biology, because in my mind, I was an academician, I was a research scientist, I was talking about it like, wow, if you understand it, you know, what, what's happening here in these cells and how it works and everything, you'll understand how truly powerful you are in controlling your life. And, and then there were people in the audience in those days, and when I tried to talk to them about this, and they'd look at me and they go, you know, Lippin, for a guy who says you know this stuff, your life doesn't look so great. And it was a point I realized, my God, my conscious mind was holding this information, but my programs that I acquired earlier were limiting me from exp expressing these. I'm running from the programs, and, uh, and that awareness in my conscious mind is not a program. So that I'm very smart, my conscious mind, and my subconscious life is still doing the same thing it's always done. Yeah. It was recognizing that. 
and, and recognizing the most important part, and that is you can change the program. <laughs> it's like, what? I said, if you want, you can rewrite the programs. And when you rewrite the programs, you take back control of your biology and your behavior and your creation because this is a creation that's happening in front of you. And most of us have this very negative stuff. And I go, yeah, because if you've been programmed to have a negative behavior, then what do you expect to find from that? And yet, since nobody even knew they were programmed, <laughs> then the whole thing has been a mystery. But now the mystery is clearing up. We can change the programs. And, and just to help people very quickly, you say, well, look, the programming started when uh, last trimester of pregnancy, even before you're born, you were getting programmed. And through the first seven years, uh, and uh, I say, well, yeah, this is this is really true, but you can rewrite any of these yeah. programs. And yeah. you say, but how do I know what the programs are? So this is the this is what I want to say. How do I know what the programs are? Ninety five percent of our life is coming from the program. What does it mean? Your life is a printout of your beliefs. I go, what does that mean? I go, the things you like and love and that come into your life come into your life because you have a program that accommodates those things. Then I go, it's the other way. Anything you work hard at, anything you struggle over, anything you sweat over to make it happen, you put so much effort in, you're making it happen. I go, why are you working so hard? And the answer is, inevitably, it reflects that you have a program in your subconscious that doesn't uh, uh, offer that. That is that your program is conflicting with that. And therefore, you are trying to get it, and your subconscious is trying to block you from getting it uh, because the program in your subconscious doesn't, it's not in there. So basically, it says, oh, well, then you want to know what your programs are. Look at your life, things that you love and, and come into your life. Don't worry about those. You already got programs, so let them in. But anything you want and you're struggling says, go back because your programming is limiting you. And if you change those programs, you can then change the characteristic of your creation. I love what you're talking about, Bruce, because, you know, uh, I'm sitting down making, a, you know, a gallant effort to to really write a series of things that I'd like to, to put into a book. And I got to interview. Oh, that's awful. I'm just going to say this. Let me just say, I got to talk to my uncle when he was like 95 years old and uh, he has since passed, but he shared some things with me. And I want to just, I want to talk about this because I want to talk about miracles. And you talk about that in your book. And I love the word. And I love, I love the word because I also love the fact that you have the word biology on the same cover as you have the word miracles. I love this. So my, my and this is, I'm going to make it short because I'd love for you to talk about this in the last minutes we have. My uncle said to me, Patricia, we're Italian, Bruce. He says, Patricia. And then a little Italian, a little of this. He said, you know, I told your father he was wrong. See, they tried to marry you off. And, you know, you are not going to have any of that. He said, you know, the family thought you were really slow. You were a little slow mentally. This is my uncle talking to me. Now, I got to tell you, Bruce, I, I was already in a doctoral program when he's talking to me, but that's okay. You know, but I was, but, but believe me, I, I had to work at it. So he says, you were a little slow, but you saw... Your Aunt Lee and I saw differently. We never treated you as that. Now, these were my favorite aunt and uncle. He said, 
we came to all of the things you did. We cheered you on. And I started to cry because those are the things I remember. And then he said, I told, I'm sorry. He said, I told your father that if your father ever said that to you, I was going to literally hunt him down. And, and he said, I never talked to your father after that. And my dad never did say that to me ever. Right. But of course they threw me out when I was 17. So I didn't give him a lot of opportunity. But I love that my uncle never said that to me. I love that my uncle intervened because stuttering was considered slow. I just didn't have the same vibe everybody else did, Bruce. I wasn't really interested in reading the books that were in school. I wanted to play handball. So how can we wrap our, our sense around creating miracles anytime we want to, any part of the day, any day of the week? Well, the very first thing, and that is this, is as we said, is look at what what part of your life isn't working. Uh-oh. And the first thing, recognize that there's a belief behind that. So if you were to write what was to be wanted, you know, is, you mm-hmm. know, wanted is actually we turn it to present tense. Uh, you can't program and say, I want to be healthy. And the mm-hmm. reason why you, it won't work is I say, well, record that today. I want to be healthy. And I said, okay, a year later, you come back. I said, well, let's play that recording. It says, I want to be healthy. It's like, oh, when does it get to be healthy? Never. <laughs> if, if you program want. So you'll always be wanting. So it's very strange because when you want to change a belief, you have to write it as if it's actually the way you wanted it right now. I am healthy. I am lovable, which is actually the biggest problem that most people have because we've been so criticized as children uh, and their parents were critical of, well, you know, that's not good enough and you could do better and who do you think you are? Those, those recordings, are, are a child records the exact words. child doesn't get what the parent's trying to say. The parent's actually trying to say, you, come on, you could do better than this. Uh, but they were saying in a very harsh way. Uh, and the point about it is what? A child under seven, not expressing consciousness, doesn't fully grasp what the meaning of the phrase was. What do they do? They just record the words. I'm not lovable. I'm not deserving. I'm not healthy. I'm not whatever. And those become programs. So the 80 to 90% of the people, and anytime we do a belief change program, uh, the first belief we check for is, uh, I am lovable. And surprisingly, 80 to 90% of the people will not test positive for that because of the critical character. And I say, well, what does it mean if you're not lovable? Well, then it means, hey, you can't be loved by anybody else. If you can't love yourself, how can anybody else love you? You know, you say, well, you don't have any quality control. I'm not, I know I'm not lovable. You think you love me. You're obviously something wrong with you. <laughs> and, and, and the idea about that is if you can't get love because of that programming, uh, you can't get full health. Love is the ultimate, the ultimate energy vibrational frequency of health and happiness and life on this planet. And a lot of us, as I said, don't love ourselves. Not because that was in our conscious mind. It's because it was recorded in our subconscious experiences. Uh, and, and this becomes critical because if they're operating 95% of the day, uh, then what does that mean? You are canceling your life. And, and we got, let me give two minutes because I, I want most people have, have uh, touched a point where they fell in love with somebody at some point in their life. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that 
opening love is like, oh my God, it just blows you open. And guess what? You have something that I call the honeymoon. And yeah. The honeymoon period in the very beginning is guess what? You and your partner are experiencing life like never before. It was like heaven on earth. It was so charged with love and excitement. And, you, you know, you had energy. It was, wow, it would blow you away. You were healthy and happy uh, for that period. I said, how did that happen? And here's the, the fun part, because I mentioned our, the, the story, The Matrix, is not science fiction. It's a documentary. We've all been programmed. But in The Matrix, they say, if you take the red pill, you can get out of the program. <laughs> Guess what? When you become so in love, like I just mentioned, you're, it's the equivalent of taking the red pill. Why? Because... Rather than keeping your mind in thought 95% of the day, when you finally found someone that you wanted to be with, why think about it logically, why would you spend your time thinking? You'd be there with that person. That means the honeymoon is based on being mindful. What does that mean? Not you know, uh, defaulting to the subconscious program, keeping your conscious mind in the present moment. I say, well, why is that relevant? I said, well, that's wishes and desires. So imagine two people come together. They are now keeping their mind open. And what are they doing? They're creating together with what? Wishes and desires. I say, what do they manifest? Honeymoon, heaven on earth. <laughs> I go, well, how did it happen? And I said, no matter how your life sucked up to the moment you met this person, then you meet this person. It's like, all of a sudden, it's heaven on earth. I go, it is the red pill. What would it be like if you did not have the negative programming that we came with? And the answer is, if you've ever fallen in love and experienced that joy of being on this planet and the creativity that you did, that is the exact expression of living without the program. And, and, and the idea is, well, it's very difficult to stay that way, and that's why the honeymoons disappear, because then we start defaulting back to the subconscious, and when those negative programs from child parenting comes in, it throws a monkey wrench in the relationship, because that was never part of the honeymoon. Why? You never defaulted to subconscious with all that negative programming. But over time, no matter how much you're in love, you still got life, man. you got to take care of the job and do your chores, which starts you thinking, and when the moment you start thinking, your consciousness disappears in the thought and your new behavior that's coming out is actually your old programs and most of it negative. Your partner sees it. Just like, remember, Bill has acts like his dad, but he doesn't see it. If you begin to act like one of your uh, teachers and it's not a great teacher and you don't see it, but your partner does, that's when the honeymoon falls apart because you start bringing in subconscious programs. My, I know this time is short, so I just conclude with there are ways to program the subconscious. I have on my website huh. under resources uh, yeah. uh, many different modalities to do that. But why is it relevant? And the answer is simply this. If you've ever touched that love spot and you saw how life was the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine, think about it. That if you put the same beliefs and intentions and uh, what you had in that honeymoon and reprogrammed your subconscious and put those programs into it, think about what it would be like you're ready. Well, when you're unconscious, you're still living in the honeymoon. And in this case, if you start thinking and you start playing the subconscious, it'll have the same behaviors that your conscious mind had. The result, you'd never leave heaven on earth. Whether you're thinking or you're not thinking, you would be experiencing heaven on earth. That's our destination.
Wow. Bruce, what a great conversation. I am so looking forward to seeing you uh, in Seattle. First, let me ask you that I have mentioned many books. For those of you just tuning in, Dr. Bruce Lifton joining me here today, The Biology of Belief. How can folks find out more about you? Uh, how can, of course, the books are available everywhere, but also, uh, again, uh, tell us a little bit, if you would, about the upcoming event that you're doing with Nikki Scully. And for those of you out there, you can go to eastwestbookshop.com. It's July 15th. And uh, Bruce Lipton, Nikki Scully, The Grand Convergence, Science Meets Shamanism. Just, just a few minutes, if you don't mind. Just give us a little bit of insight. Can we have a sneak peek on this? Yeah. I'm going to provide, uh, you know, I talked about things in a glossy overview on this interview that I would expand on by showing the, the, the more scientific real part. So it's not just new age. I, I'll show the mechanisms and it's illustrated and it's really for lay audiences to show the mechanisms of what I'm talking about, the physics, the mechanics, because given that knowledge, with that knowledge, you have an opportunity to say, let me uh, invoke that knowledge. And the moment you start invoking the knowledge I'm talking about is the moment you become the creator of your life and not the victim of the program. Uh, and, and so I will do that. But then in the process, of course, I talk about the physics and the vibration and the fields and things such as we've heard about and felt good vibes, bad vibes. These are real things. Uh, talk about the science of that. And, and once I do that, then all of a sudden it says, well, vibes now become really important. I go, yeah. Uh, uh, you can give vibes uh, names uh, in scientific frequencies, or you can give vibes names in words that mean the vibes, mm -hmm. such as red, as we talked about, is a vibration, yeah. or love yeah. is vibration. So when shamanism is coming in, it says, wait, all that stuff that seems so metaphysical uh, out there before, if you understand there's a connection of the energy and that influence of the energy on you, then shamanism is a way of... Uh, describing the energy in terms that humans can understand, yeah. giving it a name, giving it a character. So yeah. the convergence is science is now opening up to the simple reality. Yes, there's invisible energy fields that shape who we are, and that these invisible energies are related to what shamans have talked about for thousands of years. And all of a sudden you see, ah, shamanism was actually creating a mechanism. It's part of a mechanism. And all of a sudden it makes it real instead of just new aging. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so looking forward to this. For those of you out there, it's BruceLipton.com. And for yes. Nikki, it's ShamanicJourneys.com. Bruce, thank you so much for today. I cannot believe the, where the hour went. I just so love you. Thank you so much for all you do. I, I so appreciate everything. And I, again, let's thank the audience because if they take this in, they walk away and make heaven and everyone making heaven then manifest as heaven. That's what we're looking for. I'm loving it. I'll see you when you get here, Bruce. Hey, thank I'm you all for tuning to us. It. Oh, thank I, you. I, oh my gosh. I love all of you. Thank you for tuning us in, turning us on. Hey, stay tuned for another hour on Transformation Talk Radio.